That's into right field. Long run for Pilar. And Pilar all out into foul territory to make the play. Bogarts with a drive out to right field. Judges back on it, and that one's gone. Against all odds, here's a high fly ball driven deep to right. Verdugo back to the pen. Leaps up. He caught it. He caught the ball. He took it back. And I will keep on waiting for a better day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the pesky poll podcast episode 63 how you guys doing today i appreciate you spending your day coming along and listening to what this dumb idiot has to say but this dumb idiot's got his own merch how you guys doing today like i said i appreciate you guys so much for coming through and watching these today we have a huge list of stuff to talk about opening day is just one week away we are actually insanely close to having opening day of baseball Think, think about that for a second. Isn't that crazy that we're this close to opening day? But we'll get into all of that. As you can see, I have nobody here with me. It is yours truly all by himself once again. So we're going to make do with what we got. Without further ado, let's get right into our first topic. If you are on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you, you can see every time that your favorite idiot goes live. Spotify and iTunes gang, I've never ever forget about you guys how you guys doing i hope you guys are having an amazing day week whenever you guys watch this so with one week before spring training all right we had somebody be a real a-hole we'll say when it comes to um when it comes to trolling us red Sox fans somebody decided right outside of fenway park to put up a sign that said dear boston Thank you for Mookie Betts. Sincerely, Dodgers fans and at Pantome294. They put out a tweet about it, and it said, Alex's favorite memory is Mookie Betts' home run in the 2020 World Series. And in return, he wanted to show some love to Boston. Hashtag thank you, Boston. <laughs> this billboard can be found at 60-62 to 62 Brookline Ave, Boston, right next to Fenway Park. The dude, Alex, that put it up said, um, also put out a tweet about it, and he said, I'm a fool. Someone take my credit card away. So they said it was never meant for trash talk. He says Red Sox are his second favorite team and his favorite AL team. He said, I love Boston. It's a beautiful city. Maybe when I'm old, I can buy a house and come here to retire. Honestly, it kind of hurt thinking about it. It actually did hurt us, you know, seeing that. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I was not. Very happy when I saw that somebody had put up that sign. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my mic to work. It's a, It says it's working, but usually I hear a reverb in my ear. And right now I don't hear anything. So I'm hoping it is working. It says it is, so we're going to keep going with it. But, yeah, we, we really do wish the best for Mookie. We think, obviously, Mookie is an amazing, amazing baseball player, first of all. And second of all, he's just – he deserved to win that championship. But to put it up right outside of Fenway, literally right next to Fenway Park, that, that hurts a little bit. That that actually hurts. So if you guys are in Boston and see this sign, right, shout out to this dude. And don't don't spread hate because he he meant it in a literal thank you. He didn't mean it as a, you know, screw you guys, we got the guy. 
he meant it as a thank, as a true thank you. And also, I just like how he's sitting here in front of his um his billboard, just talking like that. Um, it also said it was an honest thank you message. I think Mookie was the final piece we needed to win that championship. Baseball is back. Let's have some fun. And honestly, I'm not too mad at it. You guys let me know what you guys think about that billboard. Do you think it was meant to be, you know, a proverbial middle finger to Red Sox fans? Or do you think it was more just a relaxed kind of true thank you from them? And honestly, if, if, it, if it was a true thank you, though, why are you putting it up on a billboard to gloat like that? Especially right before this, the 2021 season's about to start. Funny? Yes, obviously. It was very, very good. I, I, had, I had a good laugh out of it when I saw that. It, it, still, it still stung a little bit. I'm not going to lie to y'all. still stung. But you got you to gotta let some people have fun sometimes. Now, let me just check because I have one thing that I want to talk about at the very end. So, next I came across this article. And it said, four questions for Red Sox before opening day. Now, when I do these podcasts by myself, I want you guys to get involved. I want it to be more just open-ended questions that I give you guys to make you guys think about what um, about what's going on. You know, I have no one to bounce ideas off of, so I want to give my ideas. And then I want to ask you guys what you think. So please be active in that comment section and help me out. Trust me, it is truly appreciated. So the MLB came out. And who wrote this article? A dude named Ian Brown. So he gave us four questions as Red Sox fans that need to be answered. And they're, they're legit. I've read through them. They're legitimate questions, but questions that can be answered pretty easily. So the first one is, who is the closer? And right now it's a two-way race between Adam Ottavino and Matt Barnes. Here's the thing. We all know how the Matt Barnes experiment at closer turns out. Matt Barnes is not a ninth inning guy. And that's nothing bad about him. That's just how the player he is. He's not a ninth inning guy. And I'll even show you from not Matt Barnes, the basketball player, damn it. Matt Barnes baseball. You gotta you gotta love you gotta love trying to Google search some things on the fly and it just doesn't work out. But throughout 2019 and 2020 in 2019, he had a 3.78 ERA with – where's my saves at? With only four saves. And in 2020, he had a 1-3 record, a 4.3 ERA with nine saves. And um, 24 games played. I want to see if it shows me any blown saves. Say advanced pitching – no. Can I check? Blown saves. Okay, I guess it's just not going to show me that blown saves exist. Nope, no, nothing on blown saves. So, we we know. We've seen the games. All right, numbers can only tell you so much, but we have seen the games. We know that the Matt Barnes experiment at closer does not work. Y'all have seen it, too. Y'all know what's going on. So, I honestly think... It's Adam Ottavino's time. This article goes on to say Barnes and Ottavino had similar track records in that they've been considered strong setup men, but have only had small taste of closing opportunities. They're also both hungry to win the role this year, the final seasons before free agency. 
The thing with Ottavino is he has the potential to make that. He had two guys named Araldus Chapman and Zach Britton who were better than him, so he could never win a closing job. But his competition this year is Matt Barnes. He should totally win that starting job. Alex Cora was questioned about it, and he said, We're getting close. I do believe both of them are throwing the ball well. It's just a matter to make that decision. And like I said, before we go to Boston, we'll know the structure is going to be. But I'm not ready to name a closer yet. I'm just, like like I said, 2020 was terrible. It's time for a shakeup, and we all know that as Boston fans. So what's a better shakeup than to give ourselves a new closing pitcher? right? We traded for this guy. We, we didn't spend a lot on him, but we spent a lot of money on him. And we might need to spend a lot of money in the future to resign him. So why not give this guy the closing bid and see if he can actually step up and be that guy for us? I just don't trust Matt Barnes. Until he can give us a season with under a 3-5 ERA, I'm not going to trust it. If he can give me a season that's th- under a 3-5, or if he can start off the season pitching really well, and stay under that 3-5 for the rest of the season, I will have him as closer. But until then, I would rather trust Adovino. Let me know what you guys think in the comments. I know we've had this conversation before, but Barnes or Adovino, which one are we thinking? Second question is whether Franchi Cordero is going to start. Outfielder Franchi Cordero has had a late start to spring training due to COVID-19 and the subsequent protocols he had to clear before he could start working out with his new team. The Red Sox are excited about the lefty slugger they received for Andrew Benatendi, but they are aware of his history of injuries and don't want to push him too fast. He's only played two games in spring training so far. And Cora said, I just saw him walking around. He seems like he's okay. We actually have a B game today at 10. He's probably going to get at bats that game. That's a good sign. He's expected to play left field Wednesday and Friday, so the Red Sox should have a better idea of how good he is after that. Cordero's our big question mark. Everything else, we know kind of what's going to happen. With a, Besides Whitlock, Whitlock looks like he can exceed so many expectations, but Frenchy Cordero is the real question mark that we have with this team. So with him being such a question mark, I'm willing to try it out. Obviously, we're not a World Series contender right now. We have to make that known to ourselves. We're nowhere near a World Series contender. So what we have to do instead is just experiment with some things. Try some people here. Try some people there. Maybe throw Chavis in the starting lineup. Maybe throw Kike Hernandez. Maybe Marwin Gonzalez gets a little bit of stuff. Maybe Hunter Renfro gets thrown down to the bench. Maybe Franchi Cordero plays right field. Maybe Jonathan Arauz gets hot and gets that second base role. We don't know. We only have... We only have so many different things that are locked down. You know, we have all of our guys that are completely locked down throughout the season, but there are still a lot of spots up for grabs and a lot of intertwining that you can do with this roster. The one very positive thing I like about this roster is we have a lot of movement within us. We can have this guy play left field. We can have this guy play right. This guy can also play second base shortstop. This guy can be an entire utility infielder. This guy can play all of the outfield and first base and second base. You know, we have plenty of versatility in our lineup, and that's what I really like about it, and that's why I'm super excited for on this team. We have so much versatility that we can just put anybody anywhere that we want. The real question, though, and I'm not sure if is it one of the – questions no it is not so uh my question is where do we put chavis in in this chavis really lost his way and honestly i think chavis gets traded before the trade deadline i think chavis gets moved in a big deal to bring in somebody else 
who is either prospects or a top guy with an expiring contract. One of the two, I just see Chavis not being a part of this team, sadly, in the span of like, trying to fix my lighting, uh, in the span of the next couple months. I just don't really see his role on this team being anything anymore. And that's very sad because I love Michael Chavis. He's a great guy and a great, great ball player. So the third question is who will win the final bench spot? And this goes into back to Michael Chavis. Does he even make the team? This is a dude who two years ago we said is our future solidified first baseman. Sure, for now, Moreland and Chavis are going to switch between first base, but soon Moreland's going to be gone. Moreland's getting older. This is Chavis's time. He's our first baseman for the next five to ten years. And now I'm sitting here on March 20. I'm recording this late. I'm recording this on Wednesday. I apologize. I usually record these on Tuesdays. I just had a very, very busy Tuesday. So on Wednesday, March 24th, I am legitimately asking you guys if Chavis is going to be part of this team or is he going to be down in Worcester? It's an actual question we're having. And the guy who might be replacing him is Christian Arroyo. That is sad from what we thought about in 2018. Cora said, it's fun to watch, and that's what it's all about, right? Both are doing an amazing job. We're moving them around in the infield. They're getting their at-bats. I think both of them are leading the team in at-bats during spring training. He's not wrong. I mean, Chavis has six home runs already, and Arroyo has three. I just think if you give up on Chavis now, you might as well trade him. If Chavis does not make this team at all, he needs to be traded immediately. His services can be used somewhere else a lot better than we are using them here. Every position that we have here, he just doesn't fit in. His main position is first base. We have a first baseman. If we can trade him off to a weaker team that doesn't have a first baseman, he will get his time to shine. We will get our good prospects or another another major league player. And we'll just we'll both teams will be better off. Chavis on the bench does nothing for any team out there. Of course we don't want any other teams to be better, but at the same time, we want Chavis to be good. We we want Chavis to be the best Michael Chavis that he can possibly be. You're no Michael Jordan. Remember that. The dude climbing into Fenway off the wall and then screaming, you're no Michael Jordan. <laughs> that was I, I don't know why I thought of that, but that was that was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Listening to that man just climb over and have that talk with Michael Chavis. But we need him in a position where he's going to be the best Michael Chavis he can be because he sure as hell has a potential to get there. It's just, do we give him his at-bats, his innings in the field, his spot in the starting lineup to be able to do that? Right now we're asking if he belongs on this team or not. If he ends up in the minor leagues, he needs to be traded immediately. And nobody out there can disagree with me on that unless you want Michael Chavis to be completely hindered and the Red Sox are doing it straight for greed. Final question. Who will fill the last two bullpen spots? Here's the thing. They already have guys who, for um, relievers, who are going to make the team no matter what. Matt Barnes, Adam Adovino, Hirokazu Sawamura, Dawinson Hernandez, Matt Andre East, who I did talk to for a little bit. He is a cool dude. Josh Taylor, and Roll 5 draft pick Garrett Whitlock. Those are our seven that are going in. We have five guys, one, two, three, four. Yeah, five guys who are fighting for those final two spots. Austin Bryce, Colton Brewer, 
Kevin McCartney, Phil Feldez, and Marcus Waldman. Ryan Brazier is going to be injured for the start of the year. That's why we're saying we need two more. Once Ryan Brazier comes back, one of these guys will. Out of those five names, one that has to be there is Phil Saldes. He gave you too much last year for you to throw him down into the minor leagues. He gave you way too much. They say typically the edge would go to the people on the 40-man out of those five. Brewer, Bryce, and Valdez fit that bill. Valdez has to be one of those two. So it comes down to Austin Bryce, Colton Brewer, Kevin McCartney, and Marcus Walden. Honestly, I'm fine with I'm fine with trying out Kevin McCarthy. All right. I've we've already proven that Austin Bryce cannot make it on the major league roster unless he fairly changes game. Austin Bryce is not a competent not competent. I don't want to sound mean. It's not a good enough pitcher right now to be able to make it in the major leagues as a true relief pitcher that gets decent innings with a team. Sure, he will be our last relief pitcher, but he's still gonna get decent innings with this team. He just hasn't proven to be that. Colton Brewer, same thing. So I am fine with giving Kevin McCarthy a shot and just seeing what can happen. Marcus Walden, nah, um, I'm good on that one. So one has to be Phyllis Valdez. And the other one I think has to be McCarthy. And this article says McCarthy has definitely pitched the best out of the group as Tuesday Marcus' fifth straight outing without allowing a run. He hasn't walked anyone in his six innings. But will the Red Sox clear out a spot on the 40-man to put him on the team? Cora said... I mean, we've got options, but just a matter, like I said, structure is very important. The beauty of 14 pitchers is we'll be able to go longer with certain guys in certain situations, and then you'll be covered if something happens the next day. So length is very important. Important. That's going to be something we are looking for, and I think guys that are in the mix can give us six outs. Some of them can give us nine in certain situations, so I'll leave it at that. But I think whoever we take in those spots or those two spots, like you put it, they're going to be capable of giving us multiple innings. Like I said, it's got to be Valdez and McCartney. And a lot of people have talked, right? I hear you guys in the DMs. Y'all slide in the DMs. Y'all ain't slick. I see you, all right? Especially with my stories, a lot of you be replying in the DMs. And trust me, I truly do appreciate that, all right? I, I love I love hearing from you guys, all right? But we had somebody come out and say how it wasn't, um, how the Red Sox rotation is going to be the... Uh, be the death of us, all right? This dude, his name is John Tomasi, Red Sox insider. Of course, this article is probably for clicks from Red Sox fans, and I mean, he got me. I kind of clicked on the article. We're not going to talk about it, but he says, so much has gone right for the Red Sox. Alex Cora's back in charge. The offense looks turbocharged. The entire bullpen appears let in. Um, the roster spot between Christian Roy and Michael Chavis is bringing out the best in both players and highlighting newfound organizational depth. But what's going to ruin everything? The rotation. All right. Here's the thing with the Red Sox rotation. Once we are healthy, we are good. Until we get healthy, we're not going to be great. All right. It comes down to Tanner Houck, Nick Pavetta, Martin Perez, Nathan Ivaldi, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez is obviously the best of the group. He's been injured. Nathan Eovaldi has turned out to be up and down extremely. He had a 5 ERA last year, and he was our best pitcher by far. Martin Perez has showed us that he can have certain blasts of potential, but sometimes that can go down. It's seeming like he is becoming more and more consistent every day. So I'm not too, too worried about it. But at the same time, he's just shown that a consistency can lack 
in pivotal situations. Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck are both in the same situation. Nick Pavetta is 26, but he is still very, very young, including Major League experience. So with Nick Pavetta, he needs to be able to come out here and prove to us that he can be something. Tanner Houck has proven that he can be a righty Chris Sale. He has shown us flashes of extreme potential, something that's insane, something that we haven't seen from a farm-bred system Red Sox pitcher in a while. Tanner Houck looks to be that guy. And plus, we got Brian Mata on the way, too. Oh, we're actually getting some pitching in the Red Sox farm system. Something I didn't think I would hear within the last, like, I don't know, 20 years. Or in the next 20 years. I didn't think we'd be having a lot of pitchers come through our farm system. So it's all about those five pitchers. If those five pitchers can just be the slightest bit consistent, we're fine. You know? Like I said, we have a rotate, we have a um, roster right now. We've hitting that can be top five in the league. Easily has the potential to be top five in the league. We have pitching so much better. And I'm sorry if my mic is spazzing out and all my P's and everything like that are sounding very off. My mic is just weird today. I apologize for that. That'll be fixed in Saturdays or Sundays. You guys will be seeing on Sundays video. But, and I'm sorry you see the. Tell no one. Right. I, I always fidget with something while I'm talking. I'm sorry. It's a habit. Don't 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 judge me. I, I, I'll be judging you out there. Don't judge me. It all comes down to those five pitchers. Our bullpen is so, 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 so much better than it was last year. Our best guy to the bullpen last year was probably Bat Barnes. And yet he's fighting for a closing spot. And I wouldn't call him nearly the best reliever that we have in that in that group. You know, it's so much better. So much better than it was. All right? Us Red Sox fans have nothing but to be thankful. Obviously, it was very, very bad. And it couldn't be... It couldn't get worse from where it was in 2020. We all know that. We we can all admit that. But it is it, one of those things that you just got to look at. It's so much better than it was last year. The starting rotation is slightly better. It's younger. That's why I like to say. It is younger. I think this team's going to be fine. We're getting closer and closer. I'm going to try and get a guest on for Sunday's episode. Um, I got a couple people in mind that I can bring in. So basically, I am in a 16-team fantasy baseball draft. And your boy is coming out with a dub for Pesky Poll. Pesky Poll Podcast Nation. All right. Pesky Poll Podcast Nation will come out on top. All right. Peep. The phone case, I know you do be seeing it. It's gorgeous. All right, go cop one of yours. Link in the bio as always. And for you guys, I know there have been a couple of you who have gone out and have bought some of my merch. And let me tell you, I love you guys for it. All right, you all don't know how much that means to me that you all go out and buy my merch. All right, it looks great. I know a couple of you have bought the Waiting for October Baseball shirt. This one isn't the Waiting for October Baseball. It's... It's the hit it towards the pole, but I do really appreciate you guys for coming out and buying the stuff. It really, really does mean the world to me. So somebody haven't had an order in a little bit, but I know you guys be having them back. And if you guys do buy any, any shirt, anything like that, please... Send me a picture on Instagram. I will thank you forever. 
All right. I will thank you forever. But let's get into our final somewhat Red Sox story. So something apparently came out about Andrew Benintendi after the 2018 season. They um, apparently Andrew Benintendi and the Red Sox had a little disagreement. Core came out and said Benintendi made a decision over the winter to get stronger. He did get stronger. People think he was out of shape going into 2019. He actually got stronger. He gained some weight. And between October 28th, when we won the World Series, and April 1st, I don't know if it was him or his agent. It wasn't the organization decided, you know what? You need to hit home runs. You could see the swing. You could see the moves. It was a different player. It's not that he's slow. It was just a different body. His moves became more slower to the baseball. He wasn't getting on top of the ball. He was trying to hit fly balls. Yeah, if Benintendi wants to, he can hit 30 home runs. But he'll suffer, and we saw it. There was a lot of swings and misses. He became pull-happy. And obviously, we've seen his numbers go down. He was he was not the same player after 2018. And this is why he final, we finally have an answer. I always said, and before we traded him, I was telling everyone, and I told Kaim, I'll take 400 on-pace percentage, 40 doubles, and 20 home runs, and 20 stole bases every year from Andrew Benatendi rather than the 260 with 30 home runs, Cora said. Right now, if you see him, his body has changed. He's more athletic right now. That's what happened in that stage. I think it was more Benny looking around, seeing what was going on, but people talking about him and who's getting paid. He decided, you know what? I'm going to do this. He knows that he was wrong. The first time I saw him in spring training, like, 19, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? You could tell his swing was a lot different in 2019. We finally have an answer to Andrew Benintendi's problems. It's because he went away from the organization. Him and his team decided that he was going to become a pull, a home run hitter. He saw that was the direction of who was getting paid and he wanted to get his money, which I can completely understand. But guys like JBJ just got 11, 11 mil annually. JBJ ain't hitting a home run to save his life. JBJ's in it one at-bat. In one straight at-bat, JBJ's probably not hitting a home run against me. All right. Probably be a walk, but I digress. JBJ is not a home run hitter yet. He just made $11 million annually. Andrew Benintendi was a great player, an all-around player, a true I, – I, I regret to call him a five-tool player, but he is a – Walmart version five-tool player is what I'll say. He could do everything. He had decent speed. He had decent fielding. He had decent power. He had decent contact. And he had decent base running ability. Five-tool player. He was decent at everything. You couldn't go wrong with that. A guy that's just all around like that, you can't go wrong. It's just he decided he wanted to be a home run hitter. That is not the identity of the Red Sox. That's not what we needed from him, but that's what he wanted for himself. He really went out and tried it, and it didn't work. He knows he was wrong. He tried it, and it failed. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it failing. But now it's come around to bite him in the you-know-where. He sucks now. That's all I'll have to say about that. Just not a great, just not a great two years for Benny. I want to talk a little bit. I wanted to talk about this in the last episode, but we didn't have time. We were running out of time because the three of us, we we was just babbling on like there's no tomorrow. So, a couple weeks ago, the MLB announced that they're testing experimental rules in the minor leagues, including larger bases to reduce collisions. 
a larger basis I'm more than fine with. If a base is 18 inches versus 21 inches or whatever, 16 to 18, I don't know the actual measurements, but you make a base wider, so what? All right, limits of defensive shifts. We're finding four players on the boundaries of the infield dirt. I hate this. Go back and watch the last episode you guys saw. I hate I hate the fact that we're telling MLB MLB teams how to how to run their team. Never should be a thing. Never should be a thing. If I want to put four people in the outfield and put three people in the infield, I sure as hell can. It's the it's the offense's job to hit around it. I can put my players, I can put six in the infield and just have one guy running center field. If I want to do that, I sure as hell can. If I want, if I know this guy is a extreme pole hitter and I want to put my, the entirety, all seven of my position players out on the left side or on the right side of second base, I sure as hell can do that. It's his job to hit it the other way. It's that simple. You're saying, you're saying, oh, I have a great strategy on how to beat the defense. And this defense says, I'm going to counterbalance your strategy by doing this. And then that's the offensive player crying and saying, I can't do my thing anymore. Make them stop. It's like, it's like, so I play basketball a lot. All right. I can't shoot to save my life. I can't. I'm a attack guy. I can't dribble that well, but I attack the basket and I make some pretty BS layups. That's who I am. That's what I'm good at. I'm a good defender. People know that about me. And so they play, they back off. They let me shoot. Am I going to sit there and tell them they need to guard up on me so I can run by them to get a lap? No. I'm going to have to find a way around it. It's that simple. You think Ben Simmons is sitting there crying because he can't get to the basket because someone's sitting in the paint because they don't respect his three-point shot? It's one of those things. And this same rule with the second, with the third one, requiring pitchers to step off before throwing to a base, I hate it. I hate it. We just need to know the Bach rule. It's literally people saying, oh, I can get this much of a lead to make the pitcher think that I'm going. And if I see that foot go off the base, I can dive back. No. Pitcher can still lift up and go straight to the base. You, you got to learn to go around it. You get a less lead, and you can choose to steal. I'm sorry, left-handed pitchers. Left -hand, us left-handed pitchers, I can't call me. I'm a lefty, but I'm not a pitcher. Us left-handed pitchers, we have a lot of disadvantages. Typically, we throw we throw slower. The average lefty is slower than the average righty, but we need those sort of advantages. All right, the lefty-righty matchups, we have that advantage, and we have the pickoff advantage. That's about it. You can't take those away from lefties. That's just a direct slap in the face to lefties. I don't know what to tell you. It's just a slap in the face. So, I know this is a shorter episode. I didn't have a lot of time today. Finally, a little bit of a funny story. Jesus Camargo Corrales, 25-year-old pitcher from Mexico in the Cubs minor league staff, was stopped around noon Wednesday in Eagle... Where is this? Probably in Florida? Uh, it doesn't tell me where he was stopped or what state, but... He um, he was caught for speeding and drifting in and out of the lane of travel. They went back, and his baseball bag was had his baseball bat, his baseball glove, and 21 pounds of meth. If you just look at this picture, 
That is a lot of meth. After Corrales's two of the passengers allowed police to search the car, at which point the canine, Zane, gave an interest to the rear wheel well of the vehicle in a final alert to an area under the rear seat. Officers found the duffel bag with the Cubs logo emblazoned on the side, packed with several baseball gloves, cleats, and a bag doused in suspected essential oils with $1,000 of cash. Inside the bag was 21 pounds of meth and 1.2 pounds of oxycodone pills, according to the Eagle County Sheriff's Office. He was charged with unlawful distribution and unlawful possession. We were aware of the arrest of one of our minor league players, the Cubs senior vice president. We're investigating this matter and cannot provide additional comment. The Cubs signed him in Mexico in 2014. He was a high A pitcher. Oh, you can't, you can't. His career's done. Sadly, his career is just done with. So, I don't know. That's that's just stupid. You can't you can't be more dumb than that. Like, especially as a professional athlete with the whole future ahead of you, you need to be better than that. There's no way fans or butts about it. But. With that being said, I know this is a shorter episode, and typically Tuesdays will be, because obviously college, all that fun stuff. Unless I have a true guest on, it's not going to be shorter, but Tuesdays I want to do more interviews and stuff like that. If I can't get an interview, I'm going solo. Saturdays I want more to be news. I'm going to try and get that, but y'all know college is a SOB, so it's hard to get things out. I hope you guys truly understand, and I truly thank you guys for rocking with me. Don't forget about this. Don't forget to keep God close to your life. God bless you guys. Thank you guys so much. Roll that outro music. I'll see you guys next time. I have a dream. That's all I need. I'll make it happen with some work and belief. Know what I want. So I'll take it on. I've made mistakes, but mistakes make you strong. Let's break it down for a minute. I want the crown, I'm gon' get it. You hear me loud, man, I'm winning. Yeah, Charlie Sheen will be grinning. These ladies know that I'm sitting, and this is just the beginning. I'm closing in the night, getting there ain't no point in resisting. Living life like a dream, baby, right, that's the thing. Every night, got a team, I've been tied to the scene. Out on stage, here I'm screaming. Okay, this a dream, and I pray as a team. One day, it be me. If I want it, then I'll get it. Head down, don't regret it. Push myself to the limit. If I play it, then I win it. I'm just saying, I'm just living for today, for a minute. I don't stay, I just visit. it. Have no shame, I admit it. Looking right me to see if I succeed, to see if I believe. They're looking up to me. They want the best of me now, best of me now, best of me now, best of me. They want the best of me now, best of me now, best of me now, best of me. Silence all the haters as they see us making moves I'm 
do what I want, so I got nothing to prove. Staying motivated, teaching others what to do. I'm staying focused, my mind is open. They start to notice that I'm in motion. There is no potion, you're not just chosen. It takes devotion to stay composed, man. Never stop, never stop. There ain't no time to fall. Try to live, get it up. You got one life to pop. Thinking big, never small. Cause you gotta want it all. When you finally get that call, you get ready, take it all. Need a handout. I already stand out. Starting to advance now. Ready to expand now. You don't have a chance now. Cause we're in demand now. Make it by the grand now. Feeling in command now. Yeah, looking to see if I succeed To see if I believe They're looking up to me They want the best of me now Best of me now Best of me now Best of me They want the best of me now Best of me now Best of me now Best of me They want the best of me now